Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's obviously a crime that is committed by somebody who really has no regard for human life. Oh, I remember everything. Oh, I wish I could forget it. Imagine going over to a neighbor's house, planning to walk their dog, but instead walking into their home, seeing it covered in blood. All I saw was all this blood, and I'm like, holy moly, what the hell is going on? You don't have to imagine it. This is reality. I was shocked. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I was stunned. The 83-year-old was murdered inside her Lancaster home. Irma Kaler was killed in her own home in 2012. Her injuries were pretty brutal. 11 years later, police are no closer to solving it. It's frustrating that we haven't solved this case. Surveillance video shows someone caught on camera. Could it be Irma Kaler's killer? Investigators are still trying to figure out who's behind the brutal crime. I just don't want it ever forgotten. I just want it solved. This is Unsolved in PA. Hi, I'm Jessica Babb. I'm an investigative reporter for CBS 21 News. It's now been 11 years since someone went into Irma Kaler's home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, brutally killing her. Irma was an 83-year-old woman who lived alone and mainly stayed at home. She was stabbed to death in 2012. It's a crime that doesn't make sense to people who knew her. It also doesn't make sense to investigators. What would prompt someone to kill Irma inside her own home? Together, let's go to her home on Vine Street, and we'll walk through the path of Irma Kaler's killer in this week's episode, Part 1, Who Killed Irma Kaler? Standing on Vine Street in Lancaster City, it seems typical. People are going about their lives, traffic is driving by. People are in and out of their homes. If you stand on that street on any normal day, you wouldn't think anything of it. You'd think it was just a typical neighborhood in Lancaster City. But on May 16, 2012, the gray, stone-front house at 235 West Vine Street was anything but typical. What was originally believed to be cardiac arrest is now being investigated as homicide. This is from a CBS 21 news report that day. This morning around 9 a.m., police were told by a neighbor that an 83-year-old woman had been found dead. The woman lived alone with her dog in an apartment on 235 Vine Street. Neighbors say she was a nice woman who kept to herself. That 83-year-old woman is Irma Kaler. Like you heard, neighbors say she was a nice woman who kept to herself. I knew Irma through her daughter, and ever since her kids were a uh, little, little. That's Irma's friend, Holly Watson. She says she knew Irma for about 20 years. That's about the same amount of time Irma lived in her home on Vine Street. 
I used to go to the store for her. I'd go downtown for her, help her straighten up, clean up. She wanted me to help her clean up or I'd do her wash. I was like a granddaughter to her. As we've mentioned, Irma lived alone. Police say she was homebound for the most part and used in-home care and had friends like Holly Watson or her neighbor Zena Craig run errands for her. I would actually go shopping for her, go get her, she was a chain smoker, go over to the beer distributor and buy her packs and packs of cigarettes and pick up food for her. And um, at times, you know, if I was making something huge, I would bring food to her from our house. Would you say that you guys were friends or that you just helped her out? Um, we became friends. Okay. She would give me, it's a shame, she would give me stuff to give to my grandkids. And of course I couldn't because she was a chain smoker. Oh my God, that odor in there. And then she would let Jill poop all over inside. And I'm like, oh my God, Irma, why are you doing this? And she goes, she won't go outside, she won't do this. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So that's when I stepped up to the plate and said, I'll take Jill out more often. We have a fuzzy, scratched-up photo of Irma. As an older woman, she has short gray hair and lighter skin. The details on her face are hard to see, but she aged as you'd expect for an 80-year-old woman. But you can see some of her personality in the shirt she's wearing. She's wearing a blue shirt that says, Boycott Veal. A quick Google search will show that shirt was related to a campaign from sometime in the 80s or early 90s designed to call for better conditions for veal calves, and of course, not to eat them. But veal aside, Holly Watson says Irma was always willing to feed her friends. She was a very beautiful woman. I mean, she your shirt off her back. I mean, anything, you're hungry, you go eat at Irma's. She didn't care. I mean, she was there. Holly says she was also a particular person. She might have had her fish, she might, but she was 83. She said her ways at that time. Of the, 83, you were setting your ways then. I didn't personally know her, but, you know, I know some of the neighbors uh, described her as, you know, like a typical older woman, an elderly woman. Uh, I think she was a little sassy. Uh, you know, people uh, kind of talked about how, you know, she'd said certain, some things and, you know, uh, they kind of knew her as the, the dog lady. She was pretty harmless. You know, she, like I said, she didn't venture out. She didn't go out into the neighborhood and walk around or whatever. She didn't have frequent visitors. So I, I think, you know, most people just, they didn't know a lot about her because she wasn't, you know, real active in the community. So she just kind of kept to herself and, and occasionally would speak to people as they walked by or, or neighbors or whatever. But her friends say they had a lot of love for her. She, she was a wonderful neighbor. That's all I can say. She was sweet. She, she cared. She loved children. She saw any children out there. She would always come out and give them something whether it be like a bag of chips or, or, you know, a little toy or something. It wasn't fair what was done to her. Which brings us back to May 16th, 2012. Oh, I remember everything. Oh, I wish I could forget it. Zena Craig, Irma's neighbor, says she went over early that morning to help her out. I had to be, at the time, uh, be down here in Montgomery County to watch the grandkids and I had gone over early because I used to walk her dog two to three times a day um, to go take Jill out that morning. Um, what I normally would do would knock on the glass and Irma would come and let me in. It was two doors, a door to her apartment and a door to the front entrance. The home at 235 West Vine Street was an apartment type of situation. 
After walking up a few steps, when you go into the front door, you're met with a small hallway with a few more white doors. Doors that take you into different apartments. Irma lived in apartment one. The house that she lived in, it was a, uh, an apartment building. There was a first floor apartment where she lived, and then the, the second floor, there were tenants that lived above her. That morning, when Zena knocked on the glass, and no answer, Jill's going crazy. I mean, literally crazy. So I said, let me just see if I can get in. Well, I opened the front door and I'm like, this shouldn't be happening because um, Irma has always let me in. Once inside the first door on 235 West Fine Street. I'm like, okay, it's fine. So then I went up to her door and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and nobody's answering. And Jill's still going crazy. And a couple times... Um, she has left the front door, if I know, you know, if I go shopping, she'll leave it unlocked for me to carry the groceries in, but she kept her door locked. So I'm knocking, no answer. So I said, let me see if I can open it. And I kept calling Irma and Zena, no answer. So when I opened the door, it opened, which I was totally shocked. And I'm like, why is it open? And I kept saying, Irma, it's me. I'm here to take Jill out. Zena said once she opened the door, inside the home was horror. I didn't see her at first, because when you first walk in the entrance, you see the living room. And all I saw was all this blood. And I'm like, holy moly, what the hell is going on? And I'm looking and I'm looking. And she actually had like a hole in the floor that was filled with blood. Remembering back to that moment, Zena says she started panicking. But she kept walking further into the house, still trying to find Irma. And she did. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I started to proceed to the kitchen. There was Irma laying on the floor with her eyes wide open and her hands up like, don't hit me. And she was dead. So I immediately ran out and hollered to my sister, who at the time lived across the street. And I hollered, called 911 because I didn't have my cell phone on. And that's when everything busted loose. The cops came. Irma was stabbed to death. Zena said it looked like Irma was trying to defend herself. From old video, our station, CBS 21, recorded the day Irma was found. You can see yellow crime scene tape around the exterior of the home. Officers were all around investigating. The taping was up. They wouldn't let me down to the house or to our apartment. Michael Winters, a former detective with the Lancaster Police Department, remembers that day. We walked through what used to be the crime scene. You know, when our officers arrived, it was it was a day almost like today. It was sunny out, uh, you know, nice day in, in the middle of May. And, uh, you know, like I said, a neighbor came over and, and found her when they came over to walk the dog. And, uh, and then everybody heard what happened and the whole neighborhood was, you know, out wondering what happened, you know. How much of this area was blocked off back then? Uh, so we had, the, the main part of the scene was this, you know, the first few homes here. We had crime scene tape set up and then we had the streets shut down because, you, you know, again, you don't know 
you know, what's necessarily involved at that point. Zena says after finding Irma dead, she was taken to the police station and questioned. First of all, I was just shocked. I couldn't believe it happened. Like I said, she is the one of the sweetest woman you would ever want to meet. Take us back to that moment when you first heard something happen. It was about uh, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Somebody came and got me told me what was going on. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I was stunned. I was frozen. My body was in shock. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I just, I freaked out. Even some of Irma's other neighbors back in 2012 were caught off guard. I think it's pretty wrong. I think it's wrong, and I think the person is a coward, whoever did it. Because, you know, you go and you pick on somebody that's humble, that's, that's not right. At a press conference in 2012, this is what Lancaster police had to say. We're carrying this as a homicide. She has traumatic wounds to her neck area. It's obviously a crime that is committed by somebody who really has no regard for human life. Uh, it's, it's a pretty evil type of offense to uh, murder an elderly uh, defenseless victim like that. An evil type of offense. Just let that sit with you for a second. Those are strong words coming right from police. She suffered uh, traumatic injuries. Um, she was uh, stabbed multiple times. Her injuries were pretty brutal. Certainly her body and the injuries, you know, tell a story. Her injuries tell a story. The question now is what story do they tell? I was able to track down an application and order for a search warrant of Irma's home. It says that morning, police were dispatched to Irma's home, thinking it was a cardiac arrest. When they arrived, like you heard Zena say, they found Irma laying on the kitchen floor of her apartment. She was laying on her back and had a laceration to the right side of her neck. We collected a lot of evidence uh, at the scene. There was there was blood evidence and other things collected. Um, lots of things were photographed. Uh, you know, everything everything means something in a crime scene. So you don't know what's important until maybe later on in the investigation. So we we spent hours and hours collecting photographs and pieces of evidence and documenting the scene. In the search warrant, police say it looked like the sofa in the living room had been slept on. The living room was in the front room of the apartment. But that's not the only thing they noticed. Police say they saw blood on the couch. They say roughly a 12-inch in diameter section of blood absorbed into a sheet that was covering it. They also found a pool of blood on the floor in front of the sofa. They say the blood on the floor appeared to still be fresh and wet. I will never forget. Police say they saw numerous U-shaped blood marks on the floor, leading from the sofa toward the back of the apartment, going to the kitchen area where Irma was found. Those U-shaped patterns appear to police to be prints left behind from Irma's heel as she walked from the sofa toward the kitchen. Those prints were staggered like footprints. They also spotted a partial bare footprint. Remember, Irma was found in the kitchen. Police say they saw a blood smear on the kitchen table. The search warrant says Irma had three incisions to her neck and throat area. There was a deep and large laceration to the right side of her neck. They said it was at least one inch deep. Police say the second and third incisions appeared to be more superficial. Now it becomes very clear that there's traumatic injuries and that this does not look like an accident. It doesn't look like, you know, something like she died of, you know, a or a medical problem or something like that. Um, so once once it looks like it's criminal, like, you know, someone had murdered her, then, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in the neighbors and people that heard about it, 
family members, you know, this is a, an 83-year-old woman who lived alone and, and is murdered in her home. So I think shock set in. Uh, this wasn't a woman that's out engaging in reckless behavior and dealing drugs or something like that or, you know, whatever. It's, it's a little more shocking when, you know, someone's in the safety of their, what they think is the safety of their own home and, and they're murdered there. How were you feeling that day and really every day since? We, we do a lot of these cases, but, you know, it, it makes you think a little bit. Just, you know, you think about uh, that could be my grandmother or that could be someone I know. And that little woman should never been brutally killed like that. Walking up the steps to her home, retracing the path of the person who killed Irma Kaler. One big question, how did they get in? And what does that mean about who her killer might be? There were no signs of forced entry, so we're not really sure, you know, uh, who who entered her house, uh, if it was someone that was known to her, or if it was someone that she did not know. Uh, we don't know that. It wasn't just her front door that was open. Police say there was no forced entry to any of the windows as well. And there weren't signs of any knives or any other items that could have been the murder weapon around that had blood on them. Once again, like you heard Zena say, most of the time, Irma kept her door locked, but on that morning, it wasn't. The search warrant says when she went into the foyer or little hallway before getting to Irma's apartment, she noticed the door was closed, but not latched, and she was able to push it open without turning the doorknob. She also told police Irma normally kept a security chain on the door, but the chain wasn't on. I did say to myself, it had to be someone she knew for the doors to be unlocked. She would never, because she always told me, she told me that in the past that she did not get along with the people upstairs and she had to keep her door locked because they would just walk in and demand food and stuff like that. And I never got involved with it, you know, but um, every time I've ever gone inside where she's, you know, bringing groceries and I've always had to knock and she would have to take the chain off the door and I even looked at the door to see if the chain was you know kicked in or something no so all it came to mind she had to know that person to let that person in it's a hunch Zena hasn't been able to shake she mentioned it multiple times in our interview here she is talking about it again why was the front door left unlocked why was her door with no chain, you know, pulled across. And that's the first thing I thought when I was getting ready to run out. Chain's still up there, so it had to be someone that she felt confident to let in. But who? If Zena is right, who did Irma feel confident enough to let in? Or could it have been someone entirely different? Michael Winters says Irma's world wasn't that big. Was there anything in her day-to-day -day life? Did she come in contact with anyone? Was there anything that was either A, out of the norm, or B, could have put her into contact with someone who might have hurt her? Yeah, so that's something that we looked at. You know, a lot of this case is, uh, and cases like this, is, is studying victimology, you know, learning about, since we don't know a lot about the suspect, a lot of it is learning about the victim and, and, and their lifestyle and their habits and who they interact with. So, uh, you know, what we learned about Irma was, you know, she was, I don't want to say a shut-in, but she was really living at her house, not really interacting with a lot of people, not going out into the community a whole lot. Uh, you know, at most she would go out on her porch and sit on her porch. So yeah, I mean, most of her life was probably spent in that apartment and, uh, and not interacting with a great number of people. But there might be one clue as to who. 
surveillance video. Michael Winter says there's a lot of cameras in the area. He said when they took a look at the footage, hoping to find Irma's killer, they didn't find much. There weren't really any red flags uh, in the video footage. We saw act like normal activity in the neighborhood. Uh, we saw her in the video footage earlier the night before. Uh, her body was discovered. Uh, we saw her neighbor who walked her dog, and, and we see that on video. So a lot of the normal activity that we would expect to see. Or so they thought. It wasn't until later on, watching the video over and over and over again, that uh, I picked up on some additional things that looked a little unusual. Unusual. That's one way to put it. All the video footage that we watched, that the person that we're interested in actually entered Irma's building. I'm walking you through that surveillance video step by step, and Irma's last moments that happened to be caught on camera. That's all in part two, and I promise you, there are details you won't want to miss. As you've been listening, if something has jogged your memory and you know anything about what happened to Irma Kaler, call Lancaster Police. Their number is 717-735-3300. Once again, I'm Jessica Babb for CBS 21 News in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. In addition to hosting this podcast, I also wrote, produced, and edited it. Let me know what you think about Irma's case so far. You can leave a review or find me on social media. Together, let's help find Irma Kaler's killer.